Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is a part of the Chairshot Radio Network on the Chairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. The Chairshot.com, always use your head. Thank you very much, Amber. I love having you on the show when we have your life partner baby daddy on the show as well that's right we have quite a loaded bandwagon for the start of the show as we are looking at temperatures or golf scores in the chat that's very distracting gentlemen very distracting i'm just saying like i'm trying to run a podcast here and you know tony shot like a 75 because you know people care about these things 73 and that'll put butts in the seat. And we uh, we are loaded here to start the show today, though. We have five men uh, here in the bandwagon, including myself. You've heard me allude to, to three of them. So let's let's get the introductions out of the way. We'll start with the guy who's been surprisingly quiet, uh, seeing as I talked about his, 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 his special lady friend and his child. Um, welcome back to the bandwagon for the opening segment, Mr. Christopher Platt. How you doing, sir? Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. I am doing fantastically well and only getting better. Thanks for having me. Cool. Enjoying fatherhood? For the most part, yes. Yep, that's kind of how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At least yeah, at least they can communicate so a little better. Easier. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Now that's a load <laughs> of horseshit. Don't ever listen. That's a lie and a half. That is a lie and a half. And that voice you heard chiming in there, by the way, back from his special whirlwind three-week concussion tour, Mr. Violent Gentleman himself, Aesop Mitchell. Mr. Mitchell, are all the marbles back in the jar today? Dear God, I hope so. But uh, I know you you say it was a a concussion sabbatical three weeks, but that was last week. (laughs) God, I I wish. I I wish it was three weeks ago. I like making a broad generalization um, or generalizations about broads. Either work for me. Welcome back to the bandwagon, though. It has been a while. Huzzah. Did you go over? Uh, At match? Technically, yes. (laughs) Technically, yes, though you don't remember it, though. I I get that. (laughs) What are those, like, DQ finishes? It's nothing like Uh, timeout DQ finishes that, uh, you know, that still got to send the crowd home happy, so... (laughs) 
Hey, choke slam. Oh, fuck you. All right. Ah, fair enough. All right. Well, fresh off of shooting a 73, because somebody cares, I suppose. Mr. PC Tunney, Mr. Saturday Night, welcome back onto the bandwagon, my good friend. I'm really excited about that idea I sent you the other day, so we'll have to talk about that at some point. You don't have to talk about it now, but uh, something fun is coming, I think. Yeah, I think that there is potential there. Um, and we we actually, honestly, hindsight being everything, we might have been able to try to record it this weekend, but uh, uh, some other things co- uh, coalesced and, and got in the way. Uh, so I just, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the decision I did make. But um, rounding out the bandwagon, of course, is the other founding father of bandwagon nerds, Mr. David Ungar. Mr. missed one show in the, like three year history of the show, David Ungar, maybe more than that. I don't know. How you doing, Dave? Well, uh, it's been a week. That's why I'm drinking already. So yeah. How are you guys doing? We are doing all right. We are going to do some show reviewing today, guys. We got, and this is actually really excited about this episode because we've got a little bit of good stuff to discuss all the way around in all phases of the bandwagon nerds game today. We are going to review the season three finale of the boys on Amazon prime. That episode dropped this past Friday was a heck of an episode. Excited to talk about that. After the first commercial break, we finally got some trailers of consequence that hit the trailer park this week. Some things that I actually think we are, will be at the very least excited slash interested to talk about. Tony likes two of them. I like all four of them. Uh, the news around the Nerdosphere, we got a, a, some really good Marvel nuggets, as well as a big convention uh, expo return to discuss that, that I think is fairly significant. Before we end the show today, talking Thor, Love and Thunder. That's right. Three or four out of the five of us saw Thor Love and Thunder. And of course, uh, Platt is the one who is who is not. He's already shared that. He's actually going to step away after we talk to boys. He's he's here very, very briefly. Uh, but it's it's just a it's quite an exciting day. A lot of good stuff out there to discuss. And since we have this loaded bandwagon, and I promised Greg that we try to keep these things to two hours. We're going to get right to it. I love the puzzle face. Greg. Scoffing. Well, I'm just seven trying to hours, keep the audience. Greg. Seven, seven hours, No, Greg. that's next Deal week's episode. Next yeah. week's episode. Next week's episode, I'm a little worried about uh, I'm worried about brevity. You're not calling, calling in from the golf course. You're not. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, you'll do it. It'll go great at the tournament. Anyway, let's get into episode eight, season three of The Boys. An episode so exciting, Christopher Platt asked to be on the show. And so here he is, though I'm still highly critical of your choice of I'm happy to be on the show gift, as Spider-Man 3 from Sam Raimi should just never be referenced, addressed, posted, shared in any way, shape, or form, not even ironically. It is a just dumpster fire of an abomination of a film that should have never happened and poor Sam Raimi, uh, he, he, you know, beholden to the idiocy of Sony, and yet you still chose that gift. So that's, that's for you. Come on, man. It, it, 
it couldn't have been worse than the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Come on, man. It no, couldn't have been that, worse than those. Spider-Man 3 is worse than the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie. Notice how the experienced nerds, the ones who actually know this shit, that being myself, Dave, and Aesop, all nodded in unison at the statement that Spider-Man 3 is the Unequip. most trash bag, garbage water, raccoon shit infested, yeah. horrific film totally. it's ever bad. made in the Spider-Man study. Aesop, you're 13 years old, sir. So Tobey Maguire is my Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield may be your Spider-Man, sir. And he made What do you mean, my Spider-Man? Spider yeah, I, I was in my like late 20s, or sorry, early 20s when Andrew Garfield came out. I still have Tobey Maguire. I'll say, you just now wait, in your late 20s. What are you talking wait, about? Andrew sir? Garfield I'm came 30. out? That's big news. Why? That was Pride Month was last Congrats, week. Congrats, by the way. Salute. I know, right? Anyway, I know okay, they, enough about this. About the, uh, no, 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 we're not gonna we're not gonna go into Spider Man Land. We can do this all day. Yeah, and we can, for another we can get three hour episode. Christopher Christopher Platt's child's probably gonna vomit again or something. You know, we just don't know what's on the schedule. So we wanna make sure he gets to his father. Hot is coming out hot today, isn't he? A little spicy. Hot, I'm ready man. to go. Hey, with that flaming hey, got, uh, hot Cheeto things. hair color of yours. God this damn. is. This is post this is post concert Patrick O'Dowd. You know, I went and saw a lot of live music yesterday. It was very 90s tastic. I'm rolling in a great mood. Last Loves week the cranberries. I did not see the cranberries. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw it was the gin it was the gin blossoms. Close enough. Toad the wet toad the wet sprocket and the bare naked ladies. So, you know, it was a hell off, of a show there, right? I'll, I'll say yeah, it. Was, it was it was a great show. Anyway, and garbage was parking last, cars in the parking lot too. By the way, I, I saw garbage last summer because they played with a lot of more set when I went and saw her in concert with uh, with the misses. Anyway, last week on these airwaves, I postulated that the season finale of the boys was going to end in kind of a bleak place. Now, I argue. That it is, it did end in a bleak place, just not the bleak place that I thought it was going to end. Because uh, my my speculation was that this was going to be like this, really like like it very it, to me this was a very Empire Strikes Back ending where the bad guys actually kind of won in the end. Like Homelander wins in a way, like he has his son, his son has bought in, he blows the head off of somebody in the middle of the city and he is cheered for it and revered. He, I, he's on top. He's on top and this is all done. And the boys, you know, initiating starlight into the group, uh, and has this like, let's go get this fucker as we, as we go after, uh, what looks like the, uh, not so much the AOC candidate anymore, Platt, as you, as you like to say, um, and, you know, there's hope, like, and that's kind of the Empire Strikes Back building or ending, right? Like, the Empire Strikes Back, the Empire Empire wins, but like, we're going after Han Solo, we're gonna save the day. The boys are gonna go, like, we're back to our roots, going after going after soups, uh, one at a time in their own way. But it's not a good feeling for me at the end of this season. Platt, you wanted to be on this show. What were your thoughts? Yeah, so, well, for, uh, shut up, Tony. 
So first and foremost, uh, just a little insider baseball. I, I hit these guys up at the very last minute asking to come on because honestly, I, I just wanted to talk about the boys with my friends. So so thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, all season. Shit, I've now I feel guilty about busting your chops, man. Why are you why are you, why are you playing the heart card on us? As well, you should, man. I got game two, you know. But uh, <laughs> I don't I don't feel don't worry. I don't feel that guilty. Chris Love and Thunder know, Platt. You know. There you go. Right on, oh Dave. Uh, right on. No, and, I'm going to project all vomit. But no, but uh, so seriously, all you know, all season, and I've come on here and talked about this. I've questioned the motivations of these characters, i.e., what was their end game, and how did they think this was going to work out in their favor? And it's funny because the entire season culminated with these three different entities with three different agendas, all converging onto Vop Tower. And obviously, I know the real answer is, yo, we got reviewed, we got renewed for season four. We get that. But strictly kayfabe, you have a situation where everybody could have walked away with a happy ending here. You, you, you all could have conversed. You all could have clicked up on Homelander and got rid of him. And then Mother's Milk could have got his exacted his revenge on Soldier Boy. And we all could have went off happy. But Butcher decides to find a conscience at literally the worst possible time because soldier boy put his hands on the boy talking about ryan and a, a super hero boy mind you meaning he was gonna be all right boys bump their heads they scrape their knees they do that that's what happens he's gonna be all right so now it just becomes this big free-for-all mave loses an eye <laughs> homelander doubles down on his square and now has a young disciple in his son ryan and Soldier Boy still appears to be alive, and let alone the, the 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 reveal at the end that AOC is getting ready to become the vice president. So, gentlemen, what in the French fried titty fuck did we just watch? You watched a lot of chess pieces put in place for, as you said, season four. Uh, and, and like I said, you watched Homelander kind of get the W, in my opinion. Uh, but I want to monopolize this. Aesop. Weigh in. What did we just watch? As you are not near the microphone, because um, I picked the worst time to pick on you. No, no, I was uh, trying to be kind and. Oh shit! Sure. I forgot. You haven't watched the episode yet. Well, look, I I, I know the story. But, I know the story that you know, is going on, but you're right. I haven't. <laughs> so. I should, I should. So so why don't we go to Dave instead, Mister Ungar, and, and not pick on you? That was unfair. That was my fault. That was my fault. All good. It's my fault for not being able to watch it. <laughs> Maybe you just you just from for the rest of this episode. Anytime you mess up, just become concussed. I was about to say you probably did watch it. You just don't remember watching it. <laughs> oh no! Believe me, I I definitely would remember anything with the boys. Um, <laughs> uh, what is that? Two weeks ago, that one's ingrained in my skull. Right, right. All right, Dave, get in there. What did Christopher Platt just watch? Uh, pretty much what I think he thought he saw. I, I I would say I tend to agree with you, Pat, that there is a a a, uh, a heavy feeling of bleakness in the air at the end of this. But see, and I can't wait for you to see the end of um, Stranger Things. It's nowhere near as bleak as the ending of season four of Stranger Things. That's for sure. But there is a comparable bleakness to it in that yes, our our heroes have kind of sort of I don't know if you can say they won they bought some time is what they did at the end of this season and and they're 
they're kind of standing tall. They're regrouping. Um, they've all got their issues. Butcher's obviously on borrowed time, as we know. But yeah, you've got Victoria well on her way to the vice presidency, and 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 Butcher saying that bitch has to go. Um, Homelander and his son flying off in the sunset, and Ryan buying in, which is dangerous because Ryan basically kind of saves his dad's ass in this episode. I, I did like the um the moment where there's kind of like a double turn that almost happens during this episode where, you know, you see that sort of thing in butcher and Homelander aligning for what a microsecond there. But yeah, I it's, it's, it's set up. The chess pieces have moved into place and we're getting ready for a, a big showdown between the power brokers um, coming into season four. That that's kind of, I mean, my summary of it. Nice. So last week, Tony played a game with us where he was like, I'm just going to name off people who, who on the show and, and say it with a question in, in the sense of, is this the person that was going to die? One character that Tony didn't name black noir, black noir goes down dead. Spoiler alert. Tony, what's your thoughts on black noir getting unceremoniously killed by, by Homelander? His Just friend, his friend, literally rips his guts out. Don't hide shit from your friends, man. It, if it, it, may I expound? Is that you it? may expound? You may expound. Well, thank you, Your Majesty. I'd be thoroughly offended that you interrupted my time my if ring. we don't work together all the time. So go ahead. <laughs> oh wait, I'm not. What? I don't have a ring. I, I kissed your knuckle. I I, I kissed That's your right. your ginger knuckle. But no, but it, you know it's hilarious. I was watching this whole thing play out, man, and. It's so weird because Homelander is very isolated. Um, obviously, Ashley, she's a shill. The Deep is an idiot. A-Train is is a fuckboy. You know what I mean? And, 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 and in a lot of cases, he was betrayed by Maeve. In a, lot of, in a weird way, it, it was weird that Black Noir was the closest person to Homelander in an odd way and he never talked like i don't know that that was just an interesting character developed for me for me and watching him watching him kill black noir it it kind of gave me uh when uh, nino brown killed g money and new jack city vibes you know so when you asked me that question patrick i think the thing that the realization of their relationship that you get in this episode <clears throat> that you maybe don't think about in the forefront of your mind when these two interact throughout these three three seasons is Homelander tells you and tells him, I know when you're smiling. I know when you're mad. I know every feeling you're feeling. You, you're hiding behind that mask from everybody, including yourself, but me. Right? And I thought that was really cool. Um, so it was a really interesting thing that he's gone now. Uh, Homelander and his kid is the story to me that I want to see what happens here. I think that they even have Homelander... Turn a new leaf, possibly. I can totally see the boys and Homelander and maybe even uh, a soldier boy working together against Nadia and this new regime that's coming in because that seems to be the sides, right? Whether the three different things with you go Homelander, his kid, soldier boy, and the boys are three different things. They need to figure out that the enemy of their enemy, someone that can give them a hand. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's, um, where it's going to go uh, as someone who hasn't read the comics i don't even have an idea if there's any connection to the source material at this point um and and where that's going and dave you're kind of i'm sorry not dave asop 
you kind of lifted your eyebrows up a little there. Uh, how connected has season three been to the source material? Because um, I know some things, but I don't know much. Well, <clears throat> you would know if it didn't stay pretty close to the source material because you've seen how I've been throughout any number of different comic book projects. Yeah, we're gonna talk. Uh, we, we're not gonna talk about Miss Marvel today. So, well, I'm just saying you you would know if if what I thought was an unjust uh, switcheroo. Um, right. You know, the thing that I really appreciate because I I figured that Jensen Eccles wasn't going to be back. I know he's got a big role uh, in that uh, Big Sky series on ABC. Yep. So, uh, and that, that's going to be reoccurring. So I knew that he was going to be dispatched of in some way, shape, or form. But the idea that he is still kind of out there, um, you know, is is a real nice touch for this series. Uh, you know, just more or less leading to the fact that, like, Soldier Boy can come back at any time. Which is real nice. I, I, again, I don't know too much of the episode. Um, I, I know that this is uh, going back to the Black Noir Homelander uh, relationship. It, this is something that they have teased in a sense since day one, uh, because you've seen so many different characters betray Homelander, and then Homelander taking taking it out on them. You know, whether it be season one and uh you know elizabeth shoe just lasering her eyes into oblivion uh it, you know that these are the type of stories that uh you know we talk about in wrestling that long-term booking uh right and this has kind of been that in season four now you get to see black noir who has been unwavered with his uh friendship with homelander finally show one slight crack in that uh, that statue of his, and you know, now the whole thing has crumbled down. More or less, his life. Well, I mean, not more or less. Like it's yes. his life. Yes. <laughs> guts on the floor. You will. You will see guts on the floor. Okay. Couple other things when I look at kind of like just bleak and depressing. Um, the deep. I keep going back to the deep, and just you know, absolutely no spine. No anything is basically just tore a new one by Homelander, which results in him murdering the vice presidential candidate, which allows Victoria Newman to then jump into that role in that position. And you get the 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 self-loathing that you can see in the face. I gotta look up the actor because I don't remember his name. Uh, Chance Crawford. Is it oh, Chance, oh, Chance? Yeah, that's yeah, Chance Crawford, Crawford. Yeah, Chance Crawford. Yeah, that like he he's trapped. He's trapped. There's no way out, and he hates himself for it. And Atrian has a level of self-loathing too, but it's a very different sort of self-loathing. Like his is his is more like he's lost his brother entirely. Like his brother, he has he has gone too he's gone too far. And his brother doesn't want him in his life anymore because, again, he's been a phony his whole life. And he gets called on it. He gets straight up called out on it. And, and so we've got these two characters who are part of the seven. They're not going anywhere because they can't. Like, the only way to get out of where they're 
getting out of where they're getting out of is to frankly die at this point. And I don't know that that's going to be what happens. Dave, am I reading this wrong? What do you think? No, I mean, a train and and the deep kind of feel very ancillary at this point in the series, as far as what's going on. Um, But out of the original seven, how many are left? I mean, Maeve's still kind of there, but she's not, but translucent's gone. Black noir is gone. Um, Maeve is on sabbatical. So you're looking at what Homelander, Maybe not. not on sabbatical. Maybe's out. Yeah, she's out. Yeah, yeah she didn't even have powers. You think they're dead? Yeah, you yeah, didn't have right. powers. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you didn't think that was a write-off for Maeve. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought. Well, I don't know if it's a write-off. I think she's just out of the group. She's deep out. Like it's a new direction for Maeve. Not she's off the show. Right. I'd so, be happy to help her with so any direction she'd like to take. <laughs> so you're looking at four of the seven are still left, right? And two of them are very ancillary and. And everything revolves around Homelander and and Starlight now. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I would have lost money if you'd asked me. You know, would the Deep survive to season four? I would have lost money on that bet because I thought there's no freaking way this tool is going to survive through season four. But he's still there. But to me, it's all it's really the series revolves around Homelander and 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 his. You know, you get a you get to see it in this episode a lot more as to just. All he really wants is to be loved, and, and that's become prevalent as the season has gone on. And, and this is all about him finding acceptance and love. And, and and Ryan echoes that, you know, Ryan, especially when Homelander says it wasn't your fault what happened to your mom. You know, we're super powerful. People are going to get hurt, which is true. You know, you look at collateral damage in any of these movies, any MCU or DC movie, there's always collateral damage. And that's basically what Homelander says. Hey, your mom was collateral damage. Shit happens. And Ryan needed to hear that. And now he's gone and aligned with his dad. And off we go. So, you know, getting back to the the, the deep A-train thing. Yeah, their stories will play out. But they're just, they're beyond lost at this point. You know, they're as far as who they are and, and what they stand for. I don't even think they know anymore. All right. Well, the deep's got a tell-all book he's going to have to deal with. That's That's the next, you know, the other domino going on in his life as... His uh, his wife turns on him. She never she never did end up with Homelander this season. Vlad, I'm sorry. She didn't you know, maybe end up season with, four. She didn't end happens. up with an octopus either. Yeah. So there is that. She did not. She turned down the octopus. Octo- octopus uh, is that is that what we're talking hey. about? Octopussy? No, well you know that's what deep wish she had an octopusy. They'd still be together, you know. Oh God! All right. So here's here's. We know season four is eminent over under 1.5 years before season four hits Amazon Prime. It's not Mitchell. Over. Taking the over. David Ungar. I'll go under. Christopher Platt. I say under. They probably have already filmed some of season four. They're probably filming it simultaneously with three. So I have to go under. PC Tony. Under. I'm going to take the over because... Amazon has been nothing but slow in putting out seasons. So they make Netflix look fast sometimes, if I do say so myself. Stranger things notwithstanding. All right. So that's going to close the book on season three. Good season. Uh, very good season. Phenomenal finale. Did not went, the, went in a direction I expected, but not the direction I expected. Like the way they got to their sort of, like I said, bleak finale. And I really do feel it was a very bleak finale 
was not the way I predicted, but hell of a finish and uh, just a great, what, what a great season for the Homelander character on the whole, like just, yeah, you know, Dave, you said it kind of, as you were giving your overall assessment here, this began and ended with, uh, with Homelander. Homelander is the series and that's, that's absolutely true. And Anthony Starr, just, you know, give him all the awards. He's been terrific. Now, stay out of legal trouble, Anthony Starr. Don't go all, you know, um, Ezra Miller on us and and ruin a good thing. Please. Because next thing you know, then Tony's going to be asking for Grant Gustin to be Homelander. And tell, we don't need the Flash was a good thing. Anthony Starr needs to stay away from Hawaii because obviously he was not a bad Flash. Let it go. Don't be that guy. <sighs> Andy Starr deserves, like you said, Pat, all the awards because you got to see just how great of an actor he is in this series. The multiple personality stuff. I mean, it's hard to pull that off. And he flat out crushed it the whole season. He did. He nailed it. All right. So next week we begin our review of Umbrella Academy. We will be covering episode one of Umbrella Academy as part of next week's episode. Sorry, all you binge watchers out there on Netflix. Uh, the Mrs. O'Dowd has already watched all of season three and she's really chopping at the bit for me to start watching season three uh, because I won't let her talk to me about it. Uh, and she watched it in less than 72 hours. So she tore through. I thought it was a really, really good season. So Umbrella Academy episode one next week on the show. Before we head into our first commercial break, oh, Aesop has a finger up. I just wanted to say that um, I, I did just do a Quick deep dive on, on season four rumors. Uh, supposedly, uh, Carl Urban said that they will start shooting season four August 22nd, but they still have that uh, boys spinoff show, Varsity, to do first. So, to give any sort of timeline. Yes. All good things come to nerds who wait. We're going to head into our first commercial break, but before we do, we want to say goodbye to Christopher Platt who is going to be heading out to do, I don't know, dad stuff. Uh, but before he goes, why don't you tell everybody where they can find and listen to you on the Chairshot Radio Network and how to follow you on the socials if they would like to do so. Hey, you guys can find me on Twitter at the Real C Platt. There's a lot of reshuffling going on with me and the Chairshot. Uh, you can catch me every Saturday mornings on DWI with Mr. Tunney, DPP, and one of the Belay brothers. And other than that, man, just make sure y'all tune into everything chair shot related, man. There's just great content that we're pumping out day in and day out. And this show right here, thank you guys for letting me come on and chop it up with you for a little bit. I appreciate it. This I put this podcast up against any podcast out there. Like whatever your favorite podcast is, your your pot, favorite podcast are, I put this show right up there with it. So if you enjoy what these fellas do, man, tell a friend to tell a friend. Because this is a great show and they're missing out. So thank you guys. Zip it up, zip it out, and I'll catch you on the flip side. All right. Thank you very much, Christopher Platt. All right. We are going to head into our first commercial break. And when we come back, we are going to jump into the trailer park and some news around the Nerdosphere. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, 
podcast galore everything pro wrestling make sure you check it out thechairshot.com oh he's gone he's finally gone I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love it when Christopher Platt is on the show. It's a lot of fun. Most controlled five-person bandwagon I think I've ever run. So well done. Way to rein it in, fellas. I, I appreciate you. We are going. We have. We are covering both the trailer park and news around the nerdosphere in this segment, so that we can do all kinds of Thor, Love and Thunder talk to wrap up the show. But and we're going to go to the trailer park first. But as everyone knows, before we can get to the trailer park, Dave. I need you to hit that beautiful banjo. Okay, four trailers this week. Uh, I hope everybody had a chance to watch them because a couple of them I, I wouldn't have put on the trailer park and then I watched the trailer and was like, this looks like a, a movie I not only kind of want to watch, but feel like I kind of need to watch. And our first trailer is, is one of those trailers. And that was the uh, trailer for the film The Woman King starring Viola Davis, I do believe. Uh, if I'm getting my names correct, um, in a based on a true story. So yes, it's going to be a film renditioned, uh, telling of events of a, an army of women in Africa that staved off conquering for hundreds of years. And, and I just, the, the movie looks badass. Like the, the trailer itself is a lot of inspirational speaking and, and cool looking fighting. Uh, and I guess I'll just, that's where I will start inspirational speaking and cool fighting and, and sign me up. Like I'm, I'm in, I'm interested in this film. It looks terrific. Uh, epic. I think epic is a, is a fair word to use to describe this. And uh, I'll go around that. We'll start in my what is now my lower right hand corner with Aesop. Did you have a chance to view this trailer? And what were your thoughts going to this? Because this made me want to actually like do more work before I go see the movie, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. This is definitely one of those movies where I'm going to need to research. Um, first of all, <clears throat> anything Viola Davis has ever been in, she is always a badass. So I was not surprised to see her there. I'm not going to lie, though. Uh, in the first 10 seconds, I was like, oh, we're kind of forever. Let's go. Oh, no, no. All exactly. right. It's exactly what I thought. If you didn't know, you'd say, oh, here's Adora Milaje. Here you go. It's Wakanda forever. Oh, my God. It just it teased so perfect, uh, like perfectly with that. This movie looks fun. And uh, they also got um, the, the Star Wars guy finn uh, i can never remember his name john boyega uh, yeah john boyega 
and I like him a lot too. This movie looks great. It looks produced uh, in fantastic fashion. Uh, the the cinematography looks fantastic, and really, I am hoping they really lean into the music as well because you know the trailer shows uh, plays a lot of African uh, tribal you know chanting and stuff like that, which is I mean that is some powerful music, and you know the scores can really define. Um, you know, movies like that, films. And this one, I think, would be tremendous to kind of have some real uh, ethnic, uh, ethnic cultural music. I, I think it's just going to be fantastic. Tony, what did you think of this trailer? The word epic does come to mind. It looks pretty darn good. I think the intricacies of how they're going to tell this story and how they're going to hook you into getting invested in whatever the entire story is here uh, is, is really going to be what's going to drive this movie to possibly be nominated or, you know, be, be that epicness that you kind of get from the trailer. So definitely if you watch this trailer, it, it piques your interest because the trailer is really well done. Um, I can't imagine it's not going to be a very, very good movie. So I, I will definitely be watching this one. Dave. Yeah. Um, ditto what the other guys said. I, I think the, the the way that they presented it so it did have that Wakanda-ish sort of feel to it was intentional because it's going to grab a lot of people's attention who are going to look at it and say, oh, this looks really interesting. Um, Yeah, like you, Pat, I'd have to re- research this a little bit more to kind of find out the history behind this event just so I have a, a little better context of what's going on. But it, it looks really well done. Viola Davis is, is tremendous, as you guys noted. Um, Doesn't make bad movies. So, yeah, this, this definitely looks... Very interesting and one that uh, will be worth checking out. When when's it coming out? Like October or something like that. Comes out. Cough, cough. The Suicide Squad. Yes. I only have one problem. Two. <laughs> wouldn't which, which... wouldn't the woman king be a, the queen then? I don't. I'm not sure. Just uh, just be, asking. Be, be, tread tread lightly there, my friend. But <laughs> come on, it's establishing equality. PC, jeez. I mean, you well, have I'm saying, PC in your name. What and what I'm trying to say is, why isn't what's why is Queen Laura than King? I think what we got to do is watch the movie and find out. That's a great point. Now, here's the other thing I wanted to point out about this movie. Did anybody notice who's directing this film? It's Gina Prince. Gina Prince Bythewood, probably. Most noted this group, um, a couple of films that we, we actually, Dave, you and I nerd reviewed one of her movies. I think we nerd reviewed it. Did we nerd review The Old Guard? I feel like we nerd reviewed The we Old did. Guard. Yes. Uh, which is a Netflix movie, but she also directed the film, or she wrote, she was a writer in the film Love and Basketball. Um, so that's a call. And um, she was a writer for The Secret Life of Bees. So this is a, you know, this is a, this is a heavy hitter and somebody who knows her shit. And so I think this is, you know, just all the more reason to be to be ready to check this movie out. I think it's going to be amazing. The next film I have listed, it's not a film. It's a return to the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. We got a new teaser uh, for for the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Uh, it's about a minute and a half long. And it's not necessarily that it dropped any sort of amazing. It dropped more nuggets snippets teases and 
This trailer follows the course of various peoples watching a comet go across the night sky of Middle Earth. But it was one of those things that as I watched it and it, you know, and I got this really like, what does it all mean for the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power? I also got really excited because of one brief moment. And Aesop, I'm gonna go to you as a as a as a ringer here. We saw Ents. We saw an Ent child. At least what I would assume was an Ent child in 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 this trailer. I'm in. I'm done. Like that was all I needed for this trailer to to like be on board, and it literally triggered. Let's go. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Dave, your thoughts on a trailer that showed a little bit of extra, but nothing really substantive? Yeah, there's there's some stuff in there to get excited about, but obviously, I think what uh, it's this week, the 14th, is when the te- their next teaser comes out. I think that's obviously what yep. we've all got our eyes on, <clears throat> except Tony, who doesn't give a shit about Lord of the Rings, but. For those of us who, I mean, do yeah, care. I think that's full trailer. Yeah, I yeah. think that's full. For trailer. For those of us who do care, uh, yeah, they 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 teased enough. I mean, and and the catchphrase is is great. You know, before the king, before the ring, before the fellowship. So you're getting, you know, not, you know, it, it. We all knew if this is based on the Silmarillion, if I pronounce that right, Silmarillion. Yeah, that too. Um, that this is uh where kind of the time frame is of this of this series, but we're all looking forward to the rings of power series. I, I mean, and, and I, I thought like you're saying, you know, you get to see some ends, you get to see a few little other elements um, that they brought in that uh, like the, the giant statues of men that we saw in fellowship of the ring. You kind of see some of that going on. I forget what they call that in the movie. I'd have to recall that, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just enough to get you really amped up to say, okay, I can't wait for the 14th to see this full trailer and to get an idea as exactly what we're going to get from this series. But yeah, as far as a tease of a tease, good stuff. Absolutely. Aesop, I know you said Treebeard Younger. I'm not going to ask Tony. Tony's not going to watch the series. So um, he's already, he's already like thumbs up. Don't talk to me. So your thoughts on the trailer that was kind of a little more on style and less on substance, but it still had some tidbits, if you will. Well, don't forget in there, it said we were going to get another teaser July 14th. So in a couple days, right. like be prepared. Didn't I just um, say that? You just, no one listens to well, me. Look, I'm, just echoing. I'm echoing. Uh, you know, I'm just saying. Uh, first and foremost, I watched that entire trailer twice over. And all I could think of was this is an Amazon series. Like this looks like a full fledged movie. The the graphics that they have are just phenomenal. Aesop, did you, well, did, you watch Wheel of, did you watch Wheel of Time? I don't mean to cut you off, Pat. I'm just curious. Oh, go ahead. I started to watch the first episode and I kind of got bored. D- uh, to, Pat, and you watched the whole thing like I did. It, it it really has that look and feel to it in a lot of ways, doesn't it? Right. Here here's what I'm worried about. Um Wheel of Time, Wheel of Time had a big budget per episode, if I remember correctly. And Lord of the Rings has even more. It's something like some obscene amount of money per episode um, to make sure that it comes off. I, my, one of my biggest complaints about the Wheel of Time was the the look of the special effects. I do not see that in these Lord of the Rings trailers. These look like the damn movies. Yes. Like it looks like the Peter Jackson film. Uh, is, he, is he involved in this that, at all? Do you know Peter? 
I would Peter? assume. No, do you know if Peter Jackson is involved in this series at all? I I think he is. Yes. Yeah. I would assume. I would assume just for uh, style wise, you know, to make sure that they kind of you know are in sync with that, um, and and cover in a similar tone as well. Maybe not, you know, super involved, but just to you know, even just grabbing his opinion in a matter and uh, getting his seal of approval on things is. Yeah, you know, definitely pretty important uh, for the series to work right because I, I don't know, I don't know if, so, if if it lands quite as hard if they don't have Peter Jackson's uh, theme and tone right. throughout. Here, here's the thing: Amazon is going to spend roughly four hundred and sixty-five million dollars for the first season. Yikes! That's four hundred and sixty-five million dollars for a season season that is roughly i'm trying to see if i can get a cost it puts the average cost per episode at around fifth no no that's that's uh, it's gotta be more than that is it 30, a eight or it's 10? like 30 million per episode or something like that how many how many, how many episodes, episodes is it i am trying to find hollywood reporter is not making this easy to find the show, it's estimated that the show could eventually become the world's first TV show to cost a billion dollars after factoring in the rights deal, production, and marketing for, for multiple seasons. So, regardless, it's an, it's an ass ton of money. Like, it's an ass ton of money per episode at $465 million. Um, so, it better look good, right? Like, it just it better look good. Well, and I mean, we've seen good you know, graphics through them. Even Wheel of Time uh, had some good moments here and there. And then there were, you know, times where it was like, uh, those are just dudes in front of a green screen. Like, stop this. Like, like this is real not, bad. Not even like good green screen. Yeah. yeah uh, it, was, it was some pretty, it was some pretty low budget look, even if it wasn't a low budget price. And I, I hope again, I source material. If this is going off Cimmerillion stuff, Promotional consideration. Pay Just kidding. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm very excited. I'm super excited for this sh- series. It's just going to be a fantastic palate cleanser from the Hobbit trilogy that just did not need right. to exist. So it did not need to exist. You're right. So you know, with the way that we're going to get it, uh, and I think this is something that is going to have a pretty long shelf life. Uh, the the overall series, you know, I think they're banking on at least three or four seasons. I think yeah, that's, I, I, I think yeah. that's already, even though we don't know, I bet you it's already greenlit. Unless it just, yeah, I, I sure, I sure hope fashion, so. It, it would have to, it would have to be just straight up terrible. And yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. So I, I, and I'm sure that next week we're going to, I don't know. We got too much to do next week. We may not talk about the teaser. We may not talk about the trailer that drops on the 14th. Come on. Don't give me that look, man. I got I got a life, too. You got a life. You're going to want to talk about it. Just stop. Tony's going to golf. Tony's not even going to talk about it. He's going to be golfing. He wouldn't talk about Actually, it we'll if he wasn't Tony golfing. Actually, we'll call Tony on the golf course yes. while he's golfing. We're going to be like, Tony, here's the trailer. We'll send it to your phone. We'll watch it on your phone while you're golfing. And we'll go from there. Trailer I've been really anticipating, our third trailer in the trailer park, that I've been really anticipating, was excited to get to and see was for me the long-awaited trailer for clerks three i 
I, I guess I may be in the minority here. I didn't think Clerks 2 was that bad. I, I, I am Clerks squarely too. in I your the, camp on this one, Pat. I liked the story it told. No, Toddy's, it was good. Toddy's got like this. Are you sure you're not confusing it with Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back? Reboot. Or reboot? The, the, no, the, there's Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back and there is Jay and Silent Bob the reboot. Tony, the debate Jay about... Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back is where they fight um, Mark Hamill. Reboot's where they go to the convention. He just got punched in the dick by a guy named Cockknocker. Yes, that's Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Anyway, Dave, I cut you off like three times. No, I, was just, I was just saying, like, Tony, I mean, the, the Lord of the Rings Star Wars debate in Clerks 2 is one of the all-time great scenes for nerddom. I mean, all, all of us can relate to one that. One ring to rule them all. There's only one return, and it's of the Jedi asshole, not the king. <laughs> and yes, I, I love that movie a lot. And I also, I, I also um, as, as we end up reviewing Clerks 2, as opposed to talking about the trailer in front of us, <laughs> But I think it's relevant to Clerks 3 because I was excited enough about this and I actually jumped onto Kevin Smith's Instagram live to watch him, Jason Mewes, Kevin O'Halloran, and I can never remember the guy who plays Randall. The four of them did a little like Instagram live before they put the trailer on their respective pages. And it was funny because they were talking about like, here's this world premiere and it was already on YouTube. Like, it had been released by the by Lionsgate or whoever on YouTube, even though they were like doing this little premiere Instagram live thing. But it was a lot of fun to hear them talk about, uh, and Kevin Smith in particular, talking about the making of Clerks 2. And one of the things that he really liked and he talked about was just injecting a little bit of his own growth as a person. Because, you know, he really sees a lot of himself in the Dante character uh, from Clerks. And, you know, the original Clerks is straight from his life uh working as working as a as a clerk um but he you know when you see this trailer it centers around the story of randall having a heart attack and then deciding to go and then the movie goes all meta as he decides to make a movie about their life and their experiences working at the quick stop kevin smith had a heart attack like that was a real thing and kevin as you know he says in this in this intro that Part of what he decided to do with Clerks 3 was continue to write about his own life and his experiences and how that impacted him, this time through through Randall, uh, but putting his real life into this story. And from what I understand, there's going to be a lot of callbacks from Clerks 1 and 2. You can see that in, in the trailer already. There's some familiar faces and characters. There's you, you can already see there's going to be gobs and gobs of cameos and guest stars. That's been a staple and a hallmark of Kevin Smith movies. You know, if you don't see Ben Affleck and Matt Damon in that movie, I'll eat a bug. In fact, I think Ben Affleck's in the trailer, yes. if I remember that. the trailer, yeah. Right. Um, so I'm excited for this. I, I've always liked the most of the VSQ movies anyway. Uh, and so I'm ready to go. Tony, why do you hate Clerks so much, man? What, like, why, what's wrong with you? And why do you, why can't you ex- justify your dislike of Kevin Smith? Go. Well, first of all, Randall's played by Jeff Anderson, Patrick. So let's Thank just start there. Clerks is an excellent movie. Clerks 2 isn't a bad movie. It's just not a good movie. And after watching the trailer for Clerks 3, uh, look at these nipples. I'm ready to go. I'm in. I'm in there like swimwear. Clerks 3 looks good. It's not a good new movie. It's a bad movie, Dave. Or it's I not a bad it's movie. A... It's just not a good movie. Wait, what are we yeah. talking about? Tony's description of Clerks 2 was it's not a bad movie. 
No, it's not a good I, movie. It's a no. bad movie. Oh no! no, no I said. No, I said. No. I said. Clerks Two is not a bad movie, but it's not a good movie. There are elements of Clerks Two that I like better than the original. I mean, straight up, quite a few of them actually. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, as far as Clerks Three, I I think you know it's great how the the characters just keep evolving. You know, as they as they get older, they kind of leave. You know, Clerks One was had a lot of adolescent humor, and that was great. I'm really curious in Clerks Three, Tony, whether she's up to 38 now or whether she's still stuck at 37. <laughs> you know, that's that's a, an important question. Uh, willing to get her to willing to get her to 39. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but no, this this looks fun. I mean, you're going to have you know all all the all the players are going to be back and and you know unfortunately it's the way of the world. We're all getting a little bit older, except you know except Tony and Aesop and Pat. I get older. You guys stay the same. But uh, it, it'll be fun to Matthew see where this. It'll be fun to see where this uh, where this story goes and and yeah, injecting some reality into this whole thing and then. You know, Randall wants to make a, a what is he wants to make a movie about the uh, about his his experiences and and the and the world in general and the quick stop and that sort of thing. But like you're saying, Pat, throwbacks to the first one. They're playing hockey on the roof again, which we didn't really see too much of in the second one. So yeah, I, I, it's it's been a long time coming, and I think this is uh, I, yeah, I I definitely want to check it out. Rosario Dawson is going to be there, so you know, it's it looks like it's going to be fun. I don't know if we'll get another donkey or kinky Kelly sighting, but that's okay. <laughs> no, I, think, I think we're okay there. Aesop. Uh, they better wrap it up. They better wrap it up and put a nice bow on this series. Cause let's be honest. This is not, there's, there's just no potential for a clerk's four. Uh, and honestly, that's for the best. You know, we don't, we don't need any more at, after this point. Um, so no, I watched we got it. a Mallrat. We got a Mallrat sequel. Really? Okay. But where's my dog yeah. sequel? That's what I want. Uh, that movie's tra- that's that's a VSQ movie I don't like actually. Mallrats was so good. Why do they need to make a sequel? Uh, go ahead, Aesop. Sorry. You just answered your own question. I just want to see Salma Hayek uh, again doing the stripper stuff because that was hot. But. Uh, so I, I'm not going to lie. Well, th- again, I want some more relevant now. Look, I, I nothing wrong with some hot mom action. You have um, to sell Pat on Selma Hayek. That's for damn sure. Even Frida. Uh, so I, I didn't like the trailer for Clerks 2 all that much. And then upon seeing Clerks 2, I was happy. I have similar feelings about Clerks 3. I, I see it. And I see a lot of things. I'm like, oh, God. Uh, like almost near death experience. Now he wants to make a movie, bunch of cameo gags. Uh, but I, I need to trust Kevin Smith because I do trust Kevin Smith. And when he touches something, uh, I normally am going to enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to clerks three and hopefully this can, uh, like Dave said, show some growth again and maybe have this, uh, be instead of you know the teenage comedy that Clerks was, and then the you know younger twenty you know middle twenties comedy. Maybe this is now going into like thirty five, forty year old comedy. And I you know not that I care for any of. Uh, sorry, I care for them. Not that I care which one they do. 
I just like to see that growth, you know, in between each one. And if they can do that to kind of develop these characters even more, I would appreciate it. I have a question for the sure. group. The most important thing they came out of Clerks too. Is it okay to go ass to mouth or not? I'm just throwing that out there to you guys. Not in my orgy circles. In the deeps it is, apparently, but no. Well, no, that's, to be fair, fish, fish. that's kind of fishy. A lot of fishes have uh, their fish, asses right now. Fish to mouth, oh, fish oh. to mouth, is that is that it? God, that's just that's just the word like that joke turned all of those words. All right. Yes. Time to make yes. a fish to mouth t shirt design. No, we are going to move Probably. forward into the last trailer. We're done. We're closing no, the book. Get one book in. I'm getting in. No, From you're not getting the shit in. Oh, I got it in. No, 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 no. Get all the gasol. <laughs> I popped him. I mean, Look at him. He's, he's gone. <laughs> Loved it. I'm okay. I'm too old for this shit. I'm Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon. It's too old for this shit. All right. I saved this la- this trailer for last. Because uh, oddly enough, of the trailers we shared, I'm the most excited to watch this series that's coming to, to Disney Plus titled Light and Magic. And I shared the trailer on Facebook with the uh, status. Is it going to be Six hours of a company patting itself on the back. Yes. Am I still going to watch the shit out of it? 1000%. And here's why. If you love any major special effects based blockbuster in the last 50 years, you have industrial light and magic to thank for. Period. End of conversation. I know we got music playing in the background. Um, it cha- it completely changed the game for 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 movies and how they were made. Uh, and of course, it all started with Star Wars, that that little that little film, Star Wars, and has grown from there. But Industrial Light and Magic, I I'm very much interested in the story of this company. And Dave, you're the only one still making eye contact with me, so we're we're gonna. Oh, Tony's now got his hand up. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I'm in on this. This looks great. I love this kind of stuff. I love the documentary and the behind the scenes of what people were thinking going on. You talk about 16 Oscars, over 350 films. Like, there's a lot to talk about here. This is going to be really good. Yeah, you want to talk about a company that deserves to pat itself on the back and have a documentary about their success put out there for the world to see. It's Industrial Light and Magic because really – where would we be without what they have accomplished? I, I mean, yeah, there are, you know, there's Weta, and we've seen what they can do with Lord of the Rings, but really, without Industrial Light and Magic, they don't exist. They don't do any of this stuff. So, I mean, you're talking about the industry that redefined everything, and and, and the impact still being felt, what, 45, 50 years later? Um, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, I want to check this out and, and get their story. And, I mean, I've seen enough Star Wars documentaries to know, everything that went into making new hope, but still everything that these guys have accomplished since them and their, and their broader impact on the industry as a whole is something I'm very interested in. Like Roger rabbit who framed Roger rabbit, uh, honey, I shrunk the kids. Those are all part of that, you know? Absolutely. I mean, that, that ILM convinced us that dinosaurs could walk the earth so much so that people but, are trying like, to make it really happen. Right. Exactly. Did you see that commercial? 
Oh god. For Burger King? We're not talking yes, Jurassic World Dominion, are we? No, we're, we're just not, talking we're not about gonna go the down influence. That. Of, okay. We're talking about the influence of industrial light and magic on film. Uh, no, I, did, I was just saying, if we were going down that rabbit hole, uh, that Who Framed right. Roger Rabbit hole, I would absolutely despise my life. Right. D- no, Dave PC and I were just celebrating why we appreciate Industrial Light and Magic and why we're going to watch this documentary. So why are you going to watch the documentary? Seriously? I'm going to, I'm honestly, I'm going to watch it uh, by episode. I'm going to see right. what the, which each one is going to be referencing and talking about, because I've heard a lot. Uh, I've watched a lot of Star Wars, um, you know, industrial right. light magic stuff. I don't need to know any more Star Wars stuff. You know, we start going down Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay, yeah, I'm intrigued because Who Framed Roger Rabbit is an absolute masterpiece that does not get the love it rightfully deserves. Um, you know, and then as we go on, I will, you know, kind of decide whether or not. Because honestly, I don't, I also don't want to watch George Lucas. Uh, George Lucas is just insufferable, in my opinion. And while I know he is absolutely pivotal and crucial to things, uh, you know, that I I love now, I don't want to hear him talk. So, you know, but like I saw Ron Howard, (laughs) Ron Howard can give me a fucking dissertation. I will listen to every last word and memorize it. So uh, I'm going to kind of piecemeal this series i think uh there you have it aesop mitchell gonna hate watch light and magic just to be angry at george lucas that's fair george lucas i think george lost me when he started tinkering with star wars um and and yeah when you listen to him talk sometimes he he can be very arrogant he's a blowhard yeah yeah well even in the trailer but him in the trailer he's like that Put him and Spielberg in a room together and, and just feel yeah, it fill up with the hot air. Watch them whack off each other. It's absolutely that is fantastic. True. They, they, are, they are besties. But I'm excited for that, uh, uh, for this documentary series. I think it's it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a good watch. Uh, and with that, we're going to close the book and walk on out of the trailer park. We've still got some stuff to do. Uh, no, no, don't lift up that microphone yet because... Because guess what time it is, Dave? It's time for some news around the Nerdosphere. That's right. We have... Three items to cover this week for news around the Nerdosphere, and we are going to start with a couple of pieces of Marvel news, and we're going to start with Captain America. Captain America 4 has a director, and that director's name is Julius Ona. Ona made The Cloverfield Paradox. He's been tapped to direct the next Captain America film with Anthony McAnee as Captain America um and it's you know it's just it's it's a piece of news it's a good piece of news um i guess we'll we'll start with there we've got a director the other thing i wanted to talk about with with regards to captain america 4 people will people ever let go of chris evans not in the captain captain america mantle and i asked this because chris evans i think either yesterday or the day before tweeted in response to somebody to say Anthony Mackie is Captain America. 
which tells me that people haven't let this go. So thoughts on this director. I'm not particularly familiar with his work. He's known for the third Cloverfield movie, he, which wasn't a great movie. He also directed um, in 2019 a movie called Loose, which uh, scored very well, a 90% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So uh, Aesop and I should watch it and then see if it falls on another 5 by 5 list. But uh, so he's got, he's got some chops there. But thoughts on this director? It seems like he's a relatively unknown. Is this uh, an in Feige we trust moment? And then why won't people let go of Chris Evans slash Steve Rogers as Captain America, even though this is something that's happened in comic books? Sam Wilson became Captain America in the comics. Aesop, you're leaning in, so go. Well, Sam Wilson became Captain America in comic books and also racist backlash. I mean, step number one. Uh, Also, there is the threat of the unknown. And, you know, people like to feel safe. You know, it's why when you go to a restaurant, instead of ordering something new and trying something different, uh, you order the same thing over and over again because it tastes good. That's more or less what it is with that. Also, I'm sure it doesn't help that Captain America or uh, Falcon Winter Soldier wasn't the greatest of series. So, you know, that I'm sure hurts it a little bit, too. Um, I'm going to trust Feige. It's the same thing with uh, Kevin Smith. Like I said, I really did not like Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, yeah, <laughs> talk about a talk about a polarizing trilogy. Um, but you know, whatever. We'll just kind of have to wait and see. I, I, I look if if it's going to match something like. Thor Love and Thunder, which we're going to talk about, you know, shortly. What are you all going to be upset about that? I'm certainly not. You know, good for you. And, and honestly, if it matches Eternals, you know, which is, you know, on a lot of people's list of like, well, I'm not going to be upset about that either. So let's give it a shot. I think Marvel and Disney have done absolute wonders with some nothing and uh i think you should learn to trust them before even coming up with any type of a negative opinion fair tony dave any response to aesop's thoughts go ahead dave well i think um as far as the director is concerned i I think you know this goes to the bigger conversation of phase four and what marvel and, and disney are doing in phase four which is I think they're taking a little there's some chances being taken here in phase four, getting some new faces, getting some new directors, uh, getting a different perspective on things. And 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 you see that with the movies are, are, are a little bit hit and miss here and there. But I'm fine with it. You know, I let let them get give, give it a shot as far as the uh, Chris Evans thing. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it is racist backlash. Sure. I think it's nostalgia. Um, Chris Evans and it's people wanting to hold on to what they know and from the past trilogy and, and wanting something iconic that they can hold on to. And, and, you know, Chris Evans did an iconic portrayal of Captain America. So I think that's, that's got a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, and, and the article that you posted, Pat doesn't help because that just fuels speculation. Is he coming back? Is he not? There's some indication that maybe he will, then he's got to come and refute that. But money probably talks in this situation. So we'll see what happens. But 
I, I think, you know, can can you have it? Can you have a Captain America four where they both exist simultaneously and there's even a more overt passing of the torch than we saw at the end of Endgame? Possibly. But, you know, the question is, of course, how do we get Captain America young again without bringing in Kobik and the Cosmic Cube and and, you know, all that's possibilities. So I, 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 I mean, Captain America is obviously integral to whatever they're doing with phase five in the Avengers. So I think Captain America four is going to be a pretty big movie. And if Feige trusts this guy, I'm willing to give him a pass on this. Fair enough. Tony. On a, on a non-serious note, I disappointed that the percentages of us getting more, you know, gym map wrap trees for shield training is likely out the window. But uh, other than that, I am interested to see this version of Captain America in uh, the main role in his own movie, right? Because the the flight thing with what he does, you know, it 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 really intrigues me, and it gives it the different kind of. It almost makes him a different superhero, but he's still the same. He's still in the same position, right? Does that make sense? So that's yeah, I hear what you're saying. That really, that part really intrigues me to see how that story is going to be told and, and how would that visually uh, you're going to capture the, the essence of that change. So I'm in for it. I'll, I'll let me tell you, I'll start with this uh, little uh, foreshadowing. I'm sure that movie in 3D will be a lot better than the one I just saw in 3D as far as 3D oh, goes. Oh, so go my goodness. Shots fired. No, no, no. As, far as, as far as 3D goes. So go ahead. All right, cool. I, I agree with that. I think that um, you that there's there's this weird sentiment amongst amongst entertainment writers right now in regards to change within the MCU and how it's being how these people feel it should be handled as if they've forgotten the need to reestablish. They still firmly believe that Marvel is in a place right now where we are really reestablishing a new normal and and everybody keeps wanting to get to the end before they've done a good job preparing us for that end. And this is another one of those examples. Like we, what do you mean? Chris Evans, that captain America is not going to be there. Like people just, it, it is, it's a, it is a level of like discomfort for, for what has felt good and fun and amazing. And, uh, and until people really, let go of there must be this like concrete narrative all the way through which again for the record in the marvel cinematic universe didn't really happen until about halfway through 20 movies we're we're getting there we're getting there like let it marinate ah okay here's some news though that does bother me i know some people are excited about this news i'm not sure how great i feel about it um but coming out of the Hawkeye series, which, again, was kind of hit or miss, depending on who you ask. I enjoyed it. Uh, was it my favorite Marvel series? No. Dave, big thumbs down. But it did spawn a spinoff that, uh, that is coming with the character Echo, who will be heading her way to Disney Plus uh, with a plot line that is basically with her gang past catching up with her she goes back to her home to reconnect with her familial roots her native american roots however news broke uh from the weekly planet 
uh, or at least this podcast, the Weekly Planet and Hollywood Reporter, which is where the uh, where the um, article that I shared came from, is saying that Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, who portrayed Daredevil and the Kingpin respectively, have joined the series and will be on a few episodes as part of a storyline where Matt Murdock is searching out a former ally, and that ally is likely to be Jessica Jones, played by Kristen Ritter in the Jessica Jones series. I, guys, I have concerns as to how this gets woven in, and here's why I have concerns. I don't have concerns about the character, Daredevil, and the Kingpin being a part of this series, but I want to go back to one of my big problems with Hawkeye and the Echo character in Hawkeye. She became so secondary and so off to the side and less important once Elena Belova showed up that I was excited for her to get her own series and shine. And if this is if this rumor is true, we're now going to have three episodes where I'm worried she's going to take a back seat to at least Charlie Cox's, Dare, Cox's Daredevil uh, and Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin, unless he's a primary driving force for her overall challenge and struggle, which she should, they storyline wrote it to where she could, she should be battling the Kingpin in her own series based on the end of Hawkeye. I just, I don't know what this does for her series. And again, this is me speculating based on not seeing anything. We know nothing, but am I off base on this? Like I'm excited that we're, we're weaving daredevil in, but I'm a little concerned that this is going to hurt a new character that they're trying to, to establish and create and get fans behind. Well, you have, Dave. yeah, you have this, this to me, listening to you, this goes back to a lot of your criticisms about the book of Boba Fett, which turned into Mandalorian 2.5 and he became right. a subsidiary character to, I know Tony, it's all star Wars, but we're talking all Marvel here. Um, I, I think it's, it's a valid concern, but, and for the record, Aesop thumbed down Hawkeye. I greatly enjoyed the Hawkeye series. I, I, I think this answers one problem like i said mixed reviews there was People, this answers the one question that, that none of us really thought kingpin died at the end of hawkeye but they left that out there i think that question has now been answered uh, i i get your concern that we're going to make echo a, a a side thought in this series but at the same time here's something i'm noticing that i think you've you've got going on right now the the marvel movies the mcu movies seem to be so focused on the cosmic stuff and we've talked so many times on the show about cosmic versus street level that the MCU shows now seem to be focusing more on the street level characters. And I'm fine with that. You know, explore the street level characters. This is we're building up to the introduction of uh, of the Defenders, getting them back into the MCU proper. Uh, so I, I get your concern. I, I do. Um, I guess my my only counter to that would be I'm not sure Echo's a strong enough character to stand on her own without involving daredevil and kingpin maybe she is and maybe this is her opportunity to establish that but but i'm okay with them bringing them in for a few episodes to tell a bigger story especially if you're going to bring in jessica jones you're going to bring in luke cage as a surprise or iron fist as a surprise somewhere so i i, I think I, i'm not minimizing your concern at all pat because i think you've got a valid point here i'm just i i, I think they're going in the direction of telling a broader story and this is kind of like the introduction to Daredevil season four. So, which we already know they're doing. Aesop, Tony, one of you. This this doesn't feel like a full series. I um, 
I've had my concerns. And as much as I like to echo and I support the idea of pushing, you know, Echo's character in a in an actual route, uh, you know, I, I would I would still want it to be a more original and, you know, echo centric story. Um, if you're going to start bringing in everyone and pretty much all the defenders, well, man, I, I wonder if this is just another um, another way to kind of throw off the fandom's uh, senses, right? Because we all thought, oh, Young Avengers, Young Avengers. And then they were like, oh, the Thunderbolts movie. Oh, maybe the Thunderbolts is going to be the the big thing that they're setting up for. You know, the you know the Avengers eventual. Oh, well, maybe it's maybe it's the Defenders now. You know, you know we'll we'll bring Jessica Jones back. We'll bring uh, Echo into the fray as well. And Daredevil. You know what I mean? Like this just feels like I don't know. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> uh, and I feel like your vocalization sort of was reflected in uh, PC Tunney's face in react in reaction there. Like there, I do think, yeah, I'm not, it's hard to get excited for this series. Right. Just gonna let that linger. I'm, I I guess. Yeah. I, I think, well, no, cause I like, nobody was responding. Like it's, I, I'll it, be excited. I, and, I look, I will be excited because I always love when we can get a Wisconsin native in the forefront of people's brains and having a, a you know, one on a Marvel project, you know, that's huge. That, that means a lot. And she was a, a real shining point, a shining spot in Hawkeye for me. Um, even for like though I wasn't a big fan. Yeah. But that's, you the, know, that, that's, and I think that really hurt this series. I think, I, I do think Hawkeye she could have been the break, like the complete breakout star of Hawkeye, but we had to put Yelena in the movie. And Florence Pugh is the focal of the end of that series when you should be getting to the climax of Echo's story. And it hurt Echo as a character because I, my big complaint about Echo's portrayal in Hawkeye at the end is, is not so much that she wasn't interesting. It was that it just felt like, we needed to wrap her story up and we did it way fast. And then I, I use the phrase unearned a lot. It didn't feel like an earned finish to her story in Hawkeye to lead to the, to the series. And that's to me, that was unfortunate. Uh -huh. And that then makes me be like, okay, so now she's getting her own series and we're going to bring Daredevil in. Why? Because we don't, I'm worried that they don't have faith in the character. And I think that everything that this group has said about it so far really backs that up. Well, and, you know, it's it's pretty hard, um, you know, it, trying to make a character that doesn't speak connect. Uh, right. and if you don't do it right, you know, we, we saw right. great, great products like, uh, you know, from the Oscars. Coda was, you know, fantastic. For the boys. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, if they're not doing it right. And so maybe this is just, you know, a, a fallback option. Which, like you said, you know, Pat, that, that might that might end up putting a nail in this coffin, right? And, and that's that's just too bad. All right, we're going to shift away from the the MCU and Marvel casting news. Seems to dominate our program more weeks than not. But there was 
a big announcement that came on Thursday from PAX organizer Reed Pop that E3, a gaming expo convention that I thought was dead in the water as 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 companies kind of pulled out and started doing their own thing, whether it's Sony, whether it was Nintendo, whether or not E3 is coming back in 2023. And this is is big news. It's going to come back to its traditional home at the Los Angeles Convention Center during the second week of June. It will encompass both digital showcases and in-person components and will be open to consumers. So this E3 was the video game convention. Valhalla. Yeah. Yes. Like it was it. And it's and, it, and I thought it was dead. How good? Well, one, I guess we'll have to wait and see who's who's going to be in, right? Like who's going to sign up and who's going to who's going to who's going to do what at A three. But I think this is big news, and I think this is good news. I think it's good for gaming. Tony, can you call DPP and get him on the show real quick? Since you're not the big gamer and DPP is, and say, hey, E three is coming back. I'm kidding. You don't have to bother him. I know he's a busy man. If uh, if Platt was here, he would do his best DP impersonation, which is there. You go, Dave. E3 is back. What do you think? It's huge. I mean, like you're saying, like uh, like Aesop, E3 was was the not a gaming convention, the gaming convention. With all due respect to Gamescom and anything like that, but yeah, E3 was the gaming convention. And I, as somebody who got to go to a couple of these. Um, yeah, when you wander around E3, it's it's unlike from a gamer standpoint, it's like unlike anything you've ever experienced before. It is it is a true it is the Comic Con of of gaming conventions easily. And I think like you bring up a good point, who's gonna participate, which you know, which companies are gonna be involved. I, I think, you know, you'll see out of the big three, you'll definitely get Sony and Microsoft. I, I think they're in. I don't expect Nintendo to do it because they're focused on Nintendo Direct and that's just how they yeah, do Yeah, they'll things. do their they'll do their Nintendo Treehouse, which is right. what they've done for the past couple of years. Right, right. I think you'll see that, but you'll see stuff from the big the big guns. EA will be there, Activision Blizzard will be there, Microsoft or or Bungie or whatever, you know, is going on. Um and it, it'll be cool because you'll get some big reveals uh for games. I don't think we're going to get any sort of hardware reveals cuz we're still early in the cycle and people still don't have an Xbox Series S or a PS5. Um, maybe by next year you get some sort of announcement from Nintendo as to a a new console because I know people are disappointed that we didn't get a Switch Pro. Like a lot of people were anticipating that and it didn't come to pass. But yeah, it's it's huge. It's, it's a return to normalcy. We see the industry start to return. You're getting San Diego Comic Con in a few weeks. So that's massive for people like us with Marvel being at uh, Disney at Hall H. So you're seeing this return to normalcy, what I would really like E3 to do for this return for the first time in three years, open it up to the public instead of having it only to people in the industry, which was easy to get around. Yes, I'll be honest with you guys, very easy to get around. But I would love to see them just say, hey, it's our first year back. We're going to allow the public in in mass and let them come and experience this as a gesture of goodwill towards the industry. I would love to see that. I don't know if they'll do that. But as far as uh, for the video game industry, yeah, it's it's massively big news. Who who needs to be at E three? Let's and let's take out the the like the console developers. Let's talk about game developers. 
who needs to be at E3? EA. ASOP. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, ASOP. Yes, ASOP. Thank you. EA is definitely one of them. Um, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not going to lie. Right. Uh, I'm, you know, the weird thing is, is we're going to have to wait and see who gets scooped up by who. Because that's been a thing for quite some time. You know, Bungie you know, is no longer with Microsoft. But then you got um, uh, Bethesda. You know, Bethesda's Microsoft only. You know, and then they, they talk about like, oh, yeah, we might bridge over, whatever. Uh, yeah, I would like to see a Platinum Games there. I think Platinum always, uh, you know, does some good go-betweens. Not only having original products, but also uh, having crossover uh, like movie tie-in games that are you know pretty solid or um not movie tie-in but you know what i'm talking about like uh branded stuff you know you know ninja turtles what have you um right so stuff like them they definitely should be there uh i would love to see uh and i'm drawing a blank but the 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 studio that developed the game control uh and i think they also were they did uh, Returnal this past year uh, be there. They have been in the in the forefront. Uh, I would also love to see Capcom. You know, they're they've already teased Street Fighter. Uh, was that six? Let's go. Let's see some some fighting games and stuff like that. Bandai Namco, you know, another big one. You know, Konami can you know suck a fart. They're terrible, but. Woo. Strong, strong, strong. Uh, honestly, honestly, I, I'm I'm hesitant because they also talked about trying to bring back E3, you know, this year, and right. that got canceled I, I will, rather quickly. I will say that PAX is a strong backer, like as a as a as a as a backer to to kind of take over, uh, you know, and is healthy on its own with you know tabletop board gaming stuff, uh. You know, if they're if they're just the medium to get it medium to get it to happen and get people to go, then hopefully their sell will be strong. Uh, so at least they got that going for them. All right, fellas, let's close the book on this and let's get to the meat and potatoes of today's show after our next commercial break. Mm. All of us have seen Thor: Love and Thunder. If you are a listener and you haven't seen Thor: Love and Thunder, and based on the box office, I highly doubt you're one of those people that hasn't. This is your first spoiler warning before we go and do a dive into this movie on the backside of this commercial break. So you've been warned. Now, before we go to our recorded commercial break, it is my duty to remind you that if you love what we do on the ChairShot Radio Network and at thechairshot.com and you want to support us, the best way to keep us on the airways every single day is to go out to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot, rep the brand, and invest in a ChairShot shirt. We have all kinds of designs for you to choose from everything from a bandwagon nerd shirt to the chairshot.com logo we got ogs we got new logos we got them all we've got things from the various personalities you catch on the chairshot.com my personal favorite shirt is everyone hates greg because they kind of do everyone does kind of hate greg it's so you're not even lying and you're still supporting the brand we love talking about e3 failing we love talking about the boys and we love bringing all of that discussion to you and the best way to keep that stuff coming is to invest in us and head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot as christopher platt used to say please and thank you thank you and please when we come back all things thor love and thunder you are listening 
the bandwagon nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, Tony. Thanks to the new ship with Andy Lemonade. You can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code Chairshot. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right. Welcome back, everyone. $300 plus million worldwide later, Thor Love and Thunder rules the box office. All four of us here on the bandwagon have seen it. I'm going to do it, guys. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. It was fine. I enjoyed the movie. I did not love the movie. I actually liked Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness more than I enjoyed Thor Love and Thunder. Now that I've gotten that out of the way, and for the rest of the segment, you can all talk about how I hated the movie, which I didn't. I liked the movie quite a bit. The goats made me laugh nine times out of ten that they appeared on the screen. They did. But I I don't know. I was expecting more. A lot of Guns N' Roses love, so I'm sure that made Dave's day. Um, too much Guns N' Roses, but anyway, go ahead. Too God. much Guns N' Roses. So that 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 is my my opening assessment before we really kind of do a deep dive, gentlemen. Once around the table, how did you feel about Thor: Love and Thunder? PC Tunney, you said you did not like the 3D ness. Tell us more. Uh yeah, basically there. I was just saying that I didn't need to go see that one in 3D, but the movie, I enjoyed it. I did. I think uh, we got a nice jumping point from the next Guardians right away. Um, I really thought Natalie Portman was excellent in the movie. I enjoyed Christian Bale's uh, portrayal of, of, the, of the big bad. I think is one of the better big bads we've seen in Marvel in a while. And I love the fact that we're going towards the new superheroes of the world against the old gods. Because... Look what happened here. Look what happened in Moon Knight. We're, 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 we're setting that up. And I firmly believe that that's kind of where they're trying to go here, in addition to what's happening with Ms. Marvel as well. So that's kind of my whole take on the thing. Ray asked me after the movie, because we kind of both saw it at almost the same exact time, only um, on opposite ends of the north and south part of the country. Uh, I gave it a seven and a half. Um, I thought parts of it weren't as good as it could be. But overall, I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to the next one, actually, to be honest with you. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Ace Hop. There are two distinct halves to this movie. Uh, you have that I first. Agree. I would agree with the, that wholeheartedly. Yeah. First, first second. Well, I don't know. Maybe I could just say it rather than uh, you spraying it, PC. God damn. Uh, the first half is just a bunch of Taika Waititi jokes that are kind of hodgepodged in. It's rushed. The second half is fantastic. The second half is great. It They uh, definitely pace out each story beat wonderfully in the, in the second half, but it's brought down in the first, you know, as much fun as I had watching the first half, there's a lot of times where you're kind of like, what, what, what just happened? What, huh? Okay, that was quick. Sure. What? Oh, all right. Another thing. Fat Zeus. Oh, God. Uh, you know, and stuff like that. 
I I really enjoyed it. I, I did, and you know, I thought it was stupid, silly fun. Uh, they definitely let Taika run wild on this movie. Uh, you know, maybe they reined him in a little bit in the in Ragnarok. In Ragnarok, uh, they they gave him free reigns in Love and Thunder. Uh, I will say, thoroughly loved how much of the Hemsworth family was sprinkled throughout this entire movie. <laughs> right. Because Love, which is uh, Gore's daughter, is is Chris Hemsworth's daughter, which is great. She was hilarious, by the way, at the end. Um, the wolf woman is actually Chris Hemsworth's wife that he, you know, shacks up with in the in the opening. You know, what both of his sons are all throughout as well. I think that that's fun. And they did they they brought him in without them forcing them in. I, I thought that bringing in uh, love at, instead of Gore's son, which I, I can never remember. It's like Ansock or something like that. Um, th- yeah, I thought that was a better switch. I enjoyed that a lot more because I think it tied well with um, uh, having Natalie Portman, you know, die. You know, sorry, right. spoilers. And, and then last but not least, Brett Goldstein. Let's go. Yes, Goldstein. Uh, I did see, like Brett Goldstein as the Mighty Hercules. Yes. Oh, and you know what? I don't know how you everyone else felt. The minute that I saw that post-credit trailer start, I knew exactly what was going on and was stoked about it. Dave. <clears throat> uh, similar to Multiverse of Madness, I felt this was a good movie, but not a great movie. And I think... I, like I think the Guardians were completely superfluous and, and just like this, like okay, there's other than Star Lord's little speech that got Thor thinking about stuff at the end. But um, I, I thought my big issue with this movie is I think the pendulum on Thor has swung too far in the other direction. Like with the first two, he was too stiff and too serious. Ragnarok was the perfect mix of blending what Thor was and what they wanted him to be, and this. Love and Thunder felt like we swung too much towards trying to make Thor a comedic character with mixed results. Sometimes it works, like Aesop was saying. Sometimes it doesn't work out so well. And I thought that's how I felt about this movie. Like There are elements of it that are very good. Uh, I didn't get enough Valkyrie for my liking in this movie. That's just me. But um, it, it's a good movie. It's not a great movie. It, it's It's... You know, as far as the whole where this fits in with a lot of complaints we hear about phase four and like you were saying earlier, Pat, just let it gestate. Let it all come into fruition. We'll see where it goes. But standing on its own, a little bit better than fine. I mean, I, if I'm using Tunny's scale, I'd probably give it a seven out of ten for my own. Good, but not great. I enjoyed it. I was was I entertained? Yes. And the goats are fantastic. Well, one quick thing, though, Dave, isn't that basically Thor's sense of humor sometimes it's funny and sometimes it isn't i think they're establishing that yeah i think they're moving in that direction and it's fine because when you look at what he was in the first one and especially dark world and where they took him in ragnarok that's great but like aesop saying maybe they gave taika a little bit too much free reign and he was just way and it's just they were trying it to me it felt like they're trying to be funny for the sake of being funny instead of like yeah. ragnarok where it naturally was funny and this felt forced in a few places to, for my liking. And, and maybe I'm in the minority here, but that's just kind of how I felt about it. There were a bunch of forced jokes. And, you know, maybe the joke as a 
as a single entity was funny, but man, there were a bunch of forced jokes. Uh, right. I mean, look at pretty much everything with Guardians of the Galaxy was like just a forced joke after forced joke. The 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 battle with the like bird people trying to save the temple and all that, like, dear God, stop it! Yeah, like, uh, yeah, you know, giving them the goats. That that's been my big thing is that it was too goofy. Like that for me, like it was just, it felt too goofy for me. And, and it took away from it a little bit because it wasn't, it just wasn't in that same bit of humor that, that really you talk about, you talk about Ragnarok. There was just such a good balance of Ragnarok that made it like, it was funny yet. It was action packed. Like it still had heart. And it did. It's not that Thor love and thunder didn't have those elements to it. It just, it's like you said, Aesop, it felt like we are going to jam all these goofy jokes. Cause here's the thing. I really liked the concept of the entire guardians being kind of sick of Thor. Like you'd be like, man, we got to get rid of this guy. Like you're trying to ditch the annoying dude at the party. Like that's what I, I really wanted. Uh, to see, I thought that was great. And the way that they were just trying to like nudge him out, like counsel him out of the position, if you will. And, and they, that that was where what they were going for. Like, I loved that concept. But yeah, him doing the splits, holding two like air bikes apart. It, it was just, it was silly. And him like just, you know, kind of wiping the floor with everything, which I got the joke. The joke was the Guardians felt useless. Um, but at the same time, I, I, it just—it was too much. It was too goofy. Yeah, there's so, a lot of the, a lot of those places. Absolutely. Here's the thing, I I do want to get one more opinion on this. He he wanted to come back to the show, so I'm gonna I'm gonna really quickly wave my hand and bring the little O'Dowd back to the bandwagon to talk to all of you about his opinions about Thor: Love and Thunder because he disagreed with me. And liked it more than Multiverse of Madness. Kinda, so he kind of looks like second. Hall and Oates. I'm just saying, you know. He does. Well, we're gonna at the switch. same time. One second. I'm gonna I'm gonna step away. We're gonna hand I'm gonna hand the headset over. I'm gonna take that risk again. I'm gonna trust the three of you to not ruin my 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 pro my progeny. I've never been with your kid uh, before, Pat. I'm just saying. Well, so you know, I'll, oh my I'll, God, be, I'll be yeah, nice. Let's not let's, not, let's not use it that way. All right, let's You're all right, curse. Yeah, got you. Got you. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, please welcome in the little O'Dowd. What's up, buddy? What's up, bud? Not much. How you been? Good. Good. So what's up, Thor, Love, and Thunder? What What do you disagree with your dad on? Well, I like humor a lot. So you thought you thought a lot of the, the beginning of it was funny. You think it was perfectly good. You didn't think it was over the top at all. You just enjoyed it. Yeah. I object what, to you what, leading the witness what, there a little bit, Penny, but... <laughs> well, I, hey, come on now. Come Could on you now. please explain so, the dichotomy between the two portions of the uh, very funny uh, intro uh, half and then the secondary serious nature with gore and uh, everything else that you witnessed in that? Or did you just well, like... Did you like the goats, Connor? That's <laughs> what I want to know. Did you like the goats? Yeah, yeah. Hold on. He was going to answer Aesop's question. Go ahead. Put him in his place, little O'Dowd. Uh, there wasn't that much actual red blood. It was just like golden god blood. Yes. Dang. That hurt. So, 
what do you what do you think about moving forward with Thor now? Because we got Love, who's who's with Thor, and how did you like the interaction at the end there, bringing back the little girl, and now he's got to take care of her. Uh, I don't really think they can do too much more besides like maybe making more movies with the little girl now. And, like, after Thor's taking care of her. Okay. What did you think of the mighty Thor? I'm just going to bring this up every time now. But they're both called Mighty Thor. <laughs> Whoa! That's Whoa. true. Let's let's, re- let's rephrase the question. What did you think of the female Thor, Jane Foster? Uh, I think the fact that Jane now has become worthy is kind of interesting like why'd she become worthy she's just a good enough person apparently because look at what do you think about her getting into valhalla now that she's passed on well we're getting into valhalla is completely different from becoming worthy Really? But, uh, why, why, why do you think I, that? I, I didn't actually even think she became worthy, uh, personally. Yeah, why, why do you think she got into Valhalla, Connor? Well, she died in battle with a weapon during the battle. That's why. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That That's true. So what was your favorite part of the movie? If did, was there, did you have a favorite part, and if so, what was it? No, I think it was all around good. There we have it. I, honestly, I don't know if we could get a better review <laughs> off of any of the 40-some on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and, and the goats, of course. The goats are the star of the movie, right? Do you right. Know, Connor, Connor do you, in your, yeah. give me your best goat impression right now. Oh, there we go. <laughs> do you want me to go first? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know their names? Do you know their names, Connor? I don't remember. Do you guys know their names? Do they have names? They have names. Yes. They do. Go ahead, Tony. Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder. Oh, yeah. They don't uh, like to say yeah. that. Uh, I don't D. think they said them in any, uh, any portion of the film. No, you got to look it up. All right, Connor, give us your last thoughts on the movie and then bring your old dad back in here. I would review it three and a half stars. Ah, all right. right. And how excited are you going to be for the next one? I don't even know if there's going to be a next one. Did you like this? Did you like Thor Love and Thunder better than or did you like Jurassic World Dominion better? I haven't seen Jurassic World. Oh, I thought for sure you would have seen it by now. He's smart like us and is staying away from that nonsense. Oh, my God. It's all about bugs. All right, Connor, you want to make me one last promise? You come back on and tell us about the next movie you go see in the theater? Maybe. Maybe. All right. right, Don't forget the goat scream. (laughs) All right, Dave, your (laughs) turn. Give us your goat scream. I can't can't top Tony. There's no (laughs) way I'm even going to try and top Tony on that. Jurassic World Dominion? How did we get to Jurassic World Dominion? I I was asking which one was better. You said for sure you were were commending your parenting skills for keeping your son away from that. He 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 forgot about the movie. He forgot about that one and uh, Minions: The Rise of Gru. Thankfully, so I didn't have to attend either of those flicks. Well, I'm glad somehow yet yet somehow made it to Lightyear. So there's that. Um, Anyway, 
he he did enjoy the movie more than I did. I'm not sure what you all covered as I, I've decided for these segments, I'm legit just going to step away and let you all talk to him for a little bit. He gets to host the show. For, Lots for of curse seconds. words. Yeah, we tried I'm to get sure him to do were. the goat scream, but we only got that out of Tunney, so there you go. It was like uh, a stand-up comedy routine. Yeah, I um, I I wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of other things with the with the movie though. What why are, why are you counting? Emphasizing the George Carlin thing. Oh, got you. The seven dirty words. I hear what you're doing. Let's start we with said uh, five of them. Let's let's start with uh, Russell Crowe. There's uh there's been some internet feedback regarding Russell Crowe's portrayal of Zeus, and oddly enough. We can't escape Zack Snyder fans because, of course, somewhere, some way, Zack Snyder had done a portrayal of Zeus. Oh, I don't know. In a different movie, uh, probably a DC flick of some sort. Does Zeus exist in the DC universe, Dave? I don't even know. I mean, he does, but I don't think he I don't think he was in any snipe. Maybe was he in 300 at all? Maybe somewhere in there. No, but I what what about the the things like gods and uh, was it Gods of Egypt or some garbage like that? Was, was he in the Gods of Egypt? I don't know. All I know is that people are comparing, are complaining about this portrayal of Zeus uh, because it is done very cowardly and very different from the portrayal of Zeus we are used to seeing. Oh, Dave's got us. Uh, he is actually in Justice League. Uh, in in the like, Snyder Cut. Yeah, oh, in the fight okay. scenes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, Sergey Constance. He's mentioned in Wonder Woman as well. Ah, yeah. Zeus Wonder is Woman's definitely father, mentioned right? in Wonder Woman, but it's Wonder Woman's father, isn't he? I, I, I don't know. Um, and Patty Jenkins did did Wonder Woman. Zeus doesn't actually appear in Wonder Woman, so it it's. But what's happening is there's like these there, people are doing these like side by side photo comparisons. Um. How do you like your Zeus? Do you like your Zeus a little goofy and cowardly um, and actually kind of more accurate to ancient Greek mythology? Or do you like your Zeus a, a screaming badass Zack Snyder 300 ripoff? Because fuck Zack Snyder. Oh, I guess I've let my opinion out there. Um, gentlemen, your thoughts on Russell Crowe's portrayal of Zeus and the Zeus character in the MCU? Uh, I loved it. I loved it? It was fun. I did. I thought it was fun. And I thought it was somebody who was not just resting on their laurels and comfortable, but strategically that way. Like, you know, he was sitting there and telling him why he didn't want to go do this. And because he believed in what he believed and what had happened before him. And now complacency obviously is not a good thing, but in comes Hercules now. So the interaction of them at, um, whatever, I can't remember the name of the, what was it? Uh, Omnipotency. Omnipotent City um, was was a really fun thing for me. I really thought it was. Especially the the virgins or the handmaids or whatever you want to call it of Zeus um, and their reaction to Thor's clothing being ripped off and His then being penis. put back on was excellent. I thought that was wonderful. And even Jane, the ex, was like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, as if to say it's been a while and oh my goodness yes it's still as great as it was so uh but i I thought that was pretty funny so i like this zeus i think it's gonna prove to be a really great interaction with him and hercules where hercules looks very serious and intense and you have uh zeus who's gonna be 
the more whimsical, free-flowing thinker kind of uh, acting in this in this next one. So I, that dynamic, I'm totally looking forward to. Love the fact that we got um, uh, the 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 one of the excellent actors from Ted Lasso in here doing Red that. Goldstein. So, uh, Red Goldstein. First yeah. thing I uh, first thing I thought of when Roy I see Red. If you'd let me finish, but anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you hosting this show now? <laughs> no, I was just making a point because I'm on the show, so I make points. Sometimes. Dave, how do you like your Zeus? Not like this one, I would say. Um, I, I when I think of Zeus, of I, course you side with Snyder. Oh no, I when I think of Zeus, Zeus medium rare. When I think of Zeus, Pat, I you know to me Lawrence Olivier, Clash of the Titans. That's my Zeus right there. That's kind of how I. That's I, your Zeus. That's how I equate this. I I thought Russell, here's. Your father's Zeus. No, here's what I thought. I thought earlier I said, you know, moments where they're trying to force this to feel funny. This felt like they were trying to replicate Jeff Goldblum's performance uh, uh, in Ragnarok and trying to inject it in here and making it funny for the sake of being funny. And it just didn't feel right to me. Zeus should be a little bit more of a, a serious character than this. And he was just this bumbling, oafish idiot who gets taken out, you know, in a matter of seconds by Thor with the lightning bolt. So I think at the end, they try to redeem that a little bit by having his kind of monologue before we get to see Hercules introduced, where he's contemplative of just how far he's slipped and how everybody's perceiving the gods of Olympus now. And he suddenly flips to being a little bit more serious to trying to right that ship. So I didn't dig it that much, but I can't believe I'm about to stroke Tony's ego. So it's almost as if he was comfortable and resting on his laurels as as a character at this point. And uh, sorry, I'm just giving you a hard time. It's okay. <laughs> it, it hurt me to say that. It actually like physically hurt me a little bit. I I I think here's the here's the thing is I actually really appreciated the character because he wasn't a tough guy. Aesop, your thoughts. My Zeus is ripped torn. Uh, that's just me. But, uh, but uh, in all honesty, like that's this is really like one of those things where I look at it and I go, ah, this seems like Taika being a little too Taika. Uh, and I, I didn't hate it. I th- but I did think that it was one too many jokes. Uh, you know, you could have pulled back a little bit and gave him a little bit more seriousness. But um, I didn't need him to be full-fledged anger, you know, raw god of lightning, you know, vengeful Zeus type stuff. I I appreciated it, but I didn't need it to be as whimpering and cowardly as they as they eventually gave him. Sure. Kind of the uh I, it's funny the the kind of the take on don't meet your heroes that was done out of that too cuz I think that's the other part of of why he is the way he is. Thor really builds up Zeus as he makes his entrance. And, and it's just, it's just straight up disappointment all around. Right. Like it's, I, there was and, a lot of that though. A lot of juxtaposition throughout the entire movie. Right. And, and you actually see that then even further as he's talking to Axel slash, what is Heimdall's son's actual Astrid. name? I can't remember. Astrid. Yeah. He beats Astrid, but Astrid wants to go by Axel and, you can even see Axel's disappointed in, in kind of his perception of Thor. And so it all sort of connects. Um, I will say one of my favorite parts about omnipotency, what our city was 
the various deities that they did make a point to show. Um, now, some of it was goofy, like, you know, we had the Dumpling God. but That was the best. Bow, bow, bow. Did not need so, to happen. But, like, there are so many various cultures represented in that scene that, like, I literally feel like it's the time that that scene, and it's done intentionally, we know, like, to be able to, to watch this on a video later, to be able to pause it and be like, just look at everything, and to know that those all exist in the Marvel, like, what does the existence of all of these gods, because that's the other big part about Thor, Love, the Thunder, what does it all mean, the existence of gods, as they are presented in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? The big question. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like any storylines Com- complete with um, complete with uh, celestials. Like celestials yeah. are on the outside looking in. Yep. On this, you see two of them. Yep. Yep. And we've seen them in Eternals, and and I'm trying to think of any right. story arcs that are out there that involve, you know, they've already done Infinity Gauntlet, so that's that's out. But you know, like, and not to get into the whole conversation about canon, you know, how sticking to source material, because that's a whole show unto itself. But I did find this interesting as to the elements that they that they pulled from straight from the comics, like Eternity, portrayed exactly like they are in the comics, whereas other things they deviated from. So I know you guys debated it earlier this week that, you know, you've got the Marvel comics and then you've got the MCU, which is a continuity unto itself, and they just borrow stuff from there so i mean trying to try and figure out okay where are we going with this and looking at anything that we might have drawn from the comics is is almost you know just pointless at this point because they pick and choose what they want to do and where they want to grab from and what they don't um i know there are stories involving eternity that have gone on and pat you've probably read them i know aesop's read them as well i don't know if we're going in that sort of direction maybe can i ask one important question though because we know from a perspective of uh, from the boys, the history and the logistics, we know now starting some of the history and logistics from Marvel. When will we find out the history and logistics of the DC orgy? Because each seems to have their own. And I'm really interested to see. DC, no, I don't know. That, do they have an orgy? That didn't land, that didn't land with any. Okay, that's, that's it. No orgy for you. It's Crisis on Infinite Earths, Tony. That was the DC orgy there. Uh, yeah. I, I, all these superheroes, no lube. Oh, look at the crisis we got here. Uh, just to jump in on Dave's point, I would love to see Eternity as a character. Yeah, like a right. full blown character. I think that would be Can I ask you guys something? When Eternity was first forming, for the slightest of seconds, did you think Galactus? No. Okay. No. Maybe it's just me. No. Well, you, you have been a, you're the, such a Galactus part. That's why. Yeah, but but like number I mean, one draft pick people, next week. Sorry, people who know Eternity know that that's the helmet, that's the headgear. So I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't waver too much on it. Though I did wonder uh, if you know, what we were going to get in these post credit scenes. Uh, you know, how much we were going to get of you know the next bad. Because we haven't really gotten one yet. We've got nothing out of the next big, big bad at all. And these post-credit scenes didn't do anything except establish the existence of Valhalla um, with a nice cameo out of Idris Elba one more time as Heimdall. 
that was a genuine surprise and, and it was like oh that's nice also begs the question of does like what does the existence of Valhalla as we saw it mean other than is this just that they're dead and we're saying this is really Jane Foster's dead forever or does it mean something more like Dave you know Dave you you like to read too much into stuff Aesop's shaking his head so you don't think it's anything other than just a nice little tag to be like Jane's in Viking heaven I only say that because it was post credit too and post credit two has uh, at least historically, recent, yeah, recently has been just a nod, you know, something like that, a send off of you know whatever, you know, whether it be in multiverse of madness or heck, even something like um, you know the multiverse of madness, you know, trailer, mini, you know, teaser trailer, like it's it's nothing that it has any sort of implication of sorts. Here's the only reason why I read too much into Valhalla. We spent a montage showing all these different characters who died in battle at the beginning of the movie. And so this, and again, this is a tenuous like line being drawn. I'm not saying it's something that's going to happen, but it does put the seed in there because they, they showed off the warriors three dying. They showed Odin who dies the exact or dissipates the exact same way that Jane Foster does head off and they're like i turned around and joked to uh, a friend who was at the who was at the movies with with the little and i and i was like does this mean odin's still around what do you mean sam neil didn't die but um <laughs> if i can't this close to getting muted buddy if i the only reason i think this might have significance is that we saw it in Moon Knight, the establishment of the afterlife. And now you've seen it established here with Valhalla. So the afterlife is very prevalent and in various different forms now. We've seen that over two shows, which does raise the possibility of characters coming back from the dead. So maybe that's the only significance of it. I, I, I got two things. Uh, first, while we're still talking about um, the post credit stuff. Does this mean we're going to get another redemption arc for Hercules? I mean, you know Marvel what? likes it. You know Marvel likes its redemption arc. So I know, it's and it's one of my biggest gripes. Which right? Well, no, go ahead. Well, which was going to lead me into my second story or second question. So What's you know, your finish your stuff. Well, no, it's just that it's it's Thor's Thor and Hercules have always been well like they hercules was introduced as a, an antagonist slash rival to thor and their battles actually oddly enough were uh, mediated by a level-headed zeus uh, when it all came you know said and done before and, you know and then herc eventually becomes a member of the avengers at different times uh, but there's always a rivalry there um, he's actually gone toe-to-toe with the hulk and he does appear in planet hulk uh, in the Planet Hulk comics, so it could also be lending itself in that direction. We don't know. There's a begrudging uh, respect that develops between Thor and Hercules, right? Something like that. It's it's it it's a it's a it's a rivalry. I call it a rivalry. Um, but any dude who gets to wield a giant mace, how can you go? Can you go wrong with that? Like really? Hey, so well, well, go to your your other point. Yeah. The second question was. Where does Gore fall on your Marvel Cinematic Universe villain list? Because he, you want to say he had a redemption arc? 
but I don't think it was a redemption arc. He was pretty he was pretty solid in his desires throughout the entire movie, right? And didn't change his uh, his path all that much. So I I like right. to think he's pretty damn good. And uh, some I, I know Taika talked him up super big as being you know the most disturbing villain, blah, blah, blah. which you know whatever. But I, I will say he was pretty ruthless when uh he was dealing with the kids in you know the cage chamber and all that oh yeah that thing was which was great right he um the look that they created was was outstanding in my opinion that angel of death look like and that's to me is what it was was like with the robes the two just the golden pinpricks of eyes in the dark and like the way we materialize was very very good the transition into that, right? When you've seen right. that happen, like the veins and everything, like that, that dynamic, that change in front of your eyes, that visualization was phenomenal. I, I will say um, Marvel has an unfortunate habit, and this is just this is a, a superhero movie unfortunate habit of killing villains too soon. I yeah. do wonder if we didn't kill Gore too soon. And I will say Fair. Christian Which, Bale's performance was fantastic. He killed it. I mean, yeah. best part, best part of the movie, best yeah. acting performance, oh, uh, hands down. I would easy. say, yeah, I would say yes. And I would also give a nod to Natalie Portman. I thought she did really, really well um, for a character that was sort of one dimensional in her first two iterations to really give her an opportunity to do more with that, which is why she came back uh, in the first place. because She knew that um, Taika had promised that the character was going to be more than what she was in Thor and Thor the Dark World. So. Um, I gotta say good stuff there as well. So where, where does Gore rank in the MCU villain list? Um, I would put him, so let's see, I don't know. I'd put him in my top 10, but like giving him a number, cause I'd, I'd put him like Thanos has just been it. that guy. Yeah. Right. Like he's been it. Um, I think that. Unfor- you know, pre-redemption arc, Loki is probably my number two. Because um, pre-redemption Loki is is great stuff. Um, when he when he turns sure. to good, you're like, meh. Um, you know, as I say this, and I try to, Wanda's probably, actually, I'd say Wanda from Doctor Strange is number three. And then maybe really? Gore's right. number four. I, yeah, I, I was fine with Dark Wanda. I liked I liked Doctor Strange more than Thor. And I think, like, I think they're pretty similar in, like, fall within the same, uh, you know, one or two spots of each other. I feel like I felt uh, I had similar feelings about both of these movies. That's fair. And actually, General Ross from the first Incredible Hulk movie, uh, like, he's just a fucking dick. I'd put Gore. He's always always a dick. I'd put Gore, like, right below Killmonger. I think as far as my list of villains. Oh, uh, yeah, good point. Um, All right. But my question for you guys now is, is now that this is behind us and we've got Comic-Con coming up in a few weeks, do you really, do you think they're going to really develop or reveal anything big at Comic-Con or what are you guys thinking about? You're going to finally get your Wakanda Forever trailer. Yeah, that's well, what that, you're going that, to get. Your, that, that. You're going to get more Avatar 2 Book of Water. Yeah, uh, I never preview again um here, here, here. what about something big from dc 
Probably more Black I, Adam. I could see that. Yeah, more Black Adam. I God, oh, at some point. No, I, w- I was just that specifically. The trailer, yeah. The trailer we seen before Thor was the same trailer we've seen already for Black Adam, wasn't it? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, in terms of Marvel, I could see them doing something. I, I could see them giving us a significant update and something along the lines of Blade, since we've heard his voice pop up in a couple of instances at this point, Mahershala Ali's floating around out there. Maybe we actually get some traction. I, I don't know that you want to, if that's really what you're looking for out of um, there. I think we'll get more DC. Maybe a plus, teaser. Uh, yeah, we, I think we're going to get more Disney Plus series news. Like, I think we'll get something new out of She-Hulk, I think, or, or some, we'll get, like, at least a, a, hey, look at the folks in She-Hulk. Maybe we get something out of Echo that does the the conversation we talked about previously with Daredevil and, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio. Like, you know they're going to do the timeline thing, yeah. and then they're going to do a rotate Guardians, you know, because this is James Gunn's last rodeo with Guardians of the Galaxy, and that work is has been ongoing so i think i think we're gonna get stuff i think well here's the thing dave you know that whatever we speculate that's going out there we're gonna get overhyped for when comic-con happens and we do our comic-con coverage episode of bandwagon nerds we're gonna act a fool over whatever marvel shares in hall h on saturday like we just will there'll be but like i'm not even there'll be at least one big reveal of something we weren't expecting and that's that's great like like, you know when San Diego Comic-Con happens that, unfortunately for Tunney, he doesn't get a rundown for his breakfast the next day because you have to wait until Saturday's Hall H news hits before the rundown can be made. So, just, how much, you know it's coming. How much more Young Avengers are we going to get in uh, with the next, like, stuff? Because how, how are you feeling about love being included in this Young Avengers lineup? I mean, does she get to... As long as she stays the small size that she is with that oversized axe and it's adorable as hell, I'm I'm in. That'd be awesome. That'd be tremendous. Right? Like that's my favorite thing is the the axe is bigger than her. She's doing the charge. And, oh, it's, it's adorable. Heart, heart. I like it. The most important question: Can Molnir and Stormbreaker coexist? I mean, that's. Oh my god, Stormbreaker might be my favorite character in that movie was so funny throughout the entire course. Thank you for bringing that up, Dave, because holy shit, he was hilarious. That is like the cricket creeping in from the side. Oh my God. That's so funny. That was so funny. That, that is, that is like, uh, you know, every Disney movie, like uh, animated movie always has that one animal friend character. Like that was Stormbreaker in that, in that movie. I loved it. Tony. Can they coexist? What do you think? Sure. Yes, definitely. I think they become best friends. Enemies become best friends. And then they become enemies again. And then they have a baby and it's a hatchet. It's it's the story of the mega powers all over again. The mega powers explode. (laughs) Thor 5 mega powers explode. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting though. Hercules. Go ahead. How Mjolnir absorbed the, the, what was the sword of of, um, Gore? Echo sword. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool, interesting thing on the new dynamic of the use of Milner too, of the breaking apart and the pieces actually taking care of things. So that dynamic was excellent as well. So that was one of the better things in 3D that actually happened if you for me. uh, um, But yeah, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, this is Thor 5 confirmed as well, right? Uh, you know, Hercules, oh, yeah. you can't really get Hercules well, in they, anywhere else. They said, it, I mean, they said Thor will be back. That right. We came across the screen. Yeah, Thor, Thor will return. I mean, Thor return. whether he's in Guardians uh, 3 or like you guys are saying Thor. Yeah, but, but where would you bring in Hercules if not? Thor five. Another, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you yeah. can't bring him in anywhere else. The the post credit scene was so tied in to Thor that you have to have Hercules uh, be in the next Thor movie, uh, and then hopefully we can get God of Thunder by Kiss playing in that one because <laughs> fuck, I was st- I'm still mad that they have not made that like any type of it, it, not drop that in any way shape or form it's coming sooner than you think baby you never know oh, oh there he is there he is but he's muted ah. he's muted himself he's trying to talk he's still muted he's got a message but we can't hear him ah one second. well while we're experiencing some technical difficulties let me tell you about pro wrestling forward slash the chair shot pick yourself up a chair shot t-shirt get it in soft style your epidermis will thank you it makes a great gift as well that's pro wrestling forward slash the chair shot make sure you're checking out everything on chair shot radio network all of your favorite streaming platforms and the chair where we encourage you to enjoy your day the chair shot way by always using your head TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Well said. There you go. Yay! No? You can't yeah, hear me? Sure. We hear you. Oh, sure. I, I hear you. So I feel like with that little bit of technical difficulties, I apologize, everybody, for disappearing from the show for a couple minutes. Feels like a good place to call it a wrap. But before we do, I give this a, I, I got to be honest, I give it a half-hearted bandwagon approved for Thor, Love, and Thunder. So I give it kind of like a, Diagonal thumbs up. Like I give it oh, Orange Cassidy. I give yeah, it two thumbs. Kinda. But you know he doesn't watch AEW. I I would I would give it a thumbs up. It was like I said. Oh good, yeah, I'll give great. it a thumbs up. All right, so there you go, everyone. Thor: Love and Thunder, bandwagon approved. That's going to do it for this week's show. Before we head out, let's remind everybody where they can listen to us on our various platforms and how they can follow us on those same various platforms. This week, we will start with Mr. David Ungar. You can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, or on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. Mr. Aesop Mitchell. Sure, find me on Twitter at Violent Aesop or at Dave and Cudahy. Respond to me and I will respond to you. Also, you can find me on Facebook at Aesop Mitchell, A-E-S-O-P Mitchell. Uh, and you can also listen to uh, the very fun podcast I do with my brother, Down on the Wire. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Mr. Saturday Night, PC Tunney. Well, you can find me at PC Tunney, <clears throat> excuse me, on Twitter and Facebook. But other than that, you can generally find me with my super villain stable of characters, uh, Ruby Thursday, Turner Decentry, Armless Tiger Man, Codpiece, Eggfu, and none other than Asbestos Lady. That's right, folks. Top that, motherfuckers. All right. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. You can catch me every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday here on the Chairshot Radio Network. Monday on the bandwagon with these jokers. 
Tuesday, it's day, usually Dave Ungar and I giving you some chair shot radio musical chairs, though this week it's a very special 5x5 five five that I did with Aesop Mitchell as we gave our five best worst movies on Rotten Tomatoes and our five worst best movies on Rotten Tomatoes. We did that podcast ages ago. I had a lot yeah, of fun doing it. It was right. great to put that on. Well, the five by fives we we put in the bank and we put out there as kind of a break glass in the event of emergency. And this week was an emergency. Uh, and then on Wednesdays, I'm with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales for the Greg DeMarco Show. Next week, as PC Tony alluded to, will be the second Bandwagon Nerds draft. And this year, we are drafting our best villain teams possible however new wrinkle fellas so if you're on the show so two of you need to pay attention to this and we'll let ray cash know you're not drafting one team you're gonna draft two you're gonna draft a cosmic team and a worldly team oh my powers across the universe versus powers on earth two teams you can do it dave you look puzzled this gets this Ooh. gets you your damn attempt at a Galactus draft pick, all right? Without it being ridiculously stupid, because Galactus will not be on a team team ever. Like you're drafting five heralds, teams of six, gentlemen. It'll be a teams of six. That's the way it'll go. That's it. That's the draft. And catch it all next week when three of us minus PC Tony. It's going to be Ray Cash filling in because Tony chose golf over villain draft for bandwagon nerds. Thank every you, everyone, for listening every time, every time. You know what? When there's money involved, I understand, because we don't get paid for this. We do this out of joy. We do it out of love. Um, and I hope you enjoy hearing Bandwagon Nerds every Monday, as PC Tony would say, coming to your earballs, as it were. Thank you, everyone. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Yes, they are. They also scream quite a lot. Ah!